Welcome to the Dudes of Kung Fu. In this week's episode, uh, Alex and I break down the M- Chinese MMA fighter versus Tai Chi master video that's been making its way all over the place. It's impact on uh, Chinese martial arts and martial arts in general. And we uh, have a new feature to the show where each week Alex is going to teach me um, how to say one of the kinkweet expressions in Cantonese. So we're calling it um, Cantonese for Wing Chun. And of course, I sound like an idiot doing it. So everybody sit back, enjoy, and we'll see you soon. And every day, I practice martial arts. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 10 of... Dudes of Kung Fu. Outstanding. How are you, brother? Pretty good. I'm actually very excited that you got the number of the episode right right off the oh bat. Oh my it's god! Like, you fucking taking shots with me. I, we, we just started. <laughs> I didn't even you mention know, your fucking hair yet. It's like, <laughs> but you haven't but you haven't gotten it straight like in the last three episodes. It's amazing. Forgive me. I I, I I have problems with big numbers. You know what I mean? It's what? like when I get on a scale, like it's just it scares the shit out of me, and well, it scares you, you me numbers. You can't fault me because if it was my job to call out the number and I, you know, made a mistake or whatever, like, I would never hear the end of it. So you have to give me at least something here. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is this is very true. I would so uh, how was your be, week? be all over your shit. Uh, my week was actually pretty good. Um, I, I had a good week. Work was a little tough. It's a little draining. And everybody, I don't know, people know we're recording this on a Friday after work. So I'm a little bit drained from work, but I uh, I'm feeling good. Um, I uh, my my guitar playing's coming along. I kind of feel like uh, I took a little step forward with that, and nice. um, yeah, it's like a it's when you can do something that you literally couldn't do the day before. And it's like oh shit, like how did I not be able to play that before and now I can, right. you know? So yeah. Yeah. it's uh, so that's coming along good, and um, it, you know things are good. Things are pretty good. How about cool. yourself, brother? I- I had a great time doing the podcast with you last week at your place. That was really a lot of fun. Outstanding. Um, I love that. Yeah, we got to do that more often. Uh, I'm still thinking of the Sherpa comments about making it over. <laughs> Sherpa is so great because it's such a specific type of reference to traveling. I think it's really funny. Um, yeah, this week was you know another typical kind of Kung Fu Hustle week for me with my uh, classes and you know working on the book and projects and stuff like that. It's just... Uh, Pretty intense. I, my, my schedule's insane. I look forward to getting some something somewhat of a vacation. Maybe when we take our break after uh, we finish season three, maybe I'll just go, I don't know, somewhere exotic like Jersey or something like that. And well, spend, spend a, or I'll just go to South Dakota and get a hotel room and download, download an episode. Download an episode. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I heard that you're going you're gonna to fucking go to China and fight a big shoe. A big shoe, yeah. Well, actually, that brings us to tonight's topic, which is a pretty timely one. It would, it's interesting because most of the topics that you and I have handled generally team, seem to be kind of overall topics about Wing Chun or Jeet Kune Do or martial arts. And we very rarely, with the exception of maybe talking about current events at the beginning of the podcast, we very rarely kind of discuss anything super timely. And um, this has been like the biggest thing. I even mentioned it on last week's podcast. Right. Um, yeah, this this whole thing about uh, this Chinese MMA fighter. His name is uh, Xu Xiaodong. Um, but you can just call him Xu. 
Sean, because I'm sure shoo. that's what you'll translate it to. Shoe, shoe. Shoe, that MMA sounds guy, right. Shoe, right? shoe the MMA guy. Matter of fact, we'll call him the MMA guy. Boot. <laughs> boot, boot. <laughs> uh, so uh, for those, for people who are not aware of the story, uh, this happened, I think it was like on April 27th. So we're looking back uh, almost two weeks now from, from the recording of this podcast. There was a Chinese MMA fighter who basically had a challenge fight with a master of Tai Chi. And it was an open fight at a gym in, in Chengdu, which is kind of in central China. And the MMA guy ran this guy over with punches and had him on the ground in 10 seconds, pounding his face in, and that was it. The Tai Chi guy looked kind of like a deer caught in the headlights, and that was it. And then there's been a lot of blowback from that. And uh, I have to admit, I was a little part of that because last week I mentioned it, or maybe you brought it up, and I was like, yeah, I'm not so sure about this guy because he talks shit about Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee, and, right, uh, yeah. And, you know, on one hand, I said that maybe it's kind of a good thing for Chinese martial arts. And then but honestly, I have to admit, um, I didn't really know. I had only seen the video, but I didn't know that much about him. I had only, you know, as, as you can imagine, my social media feed, because mo I f follow mostly people who do martial arts. And most of the things that pop up on my Facebook are all martial arts related. So sometimes you just read the headlines, you know, when you're scanning your Facebook and you don't always read the articles. And I have to admit that. Um, in this particular case, although I had seen the video, I didn't really know that much about it. And since our last podcast, I watched a pretty extensive interview with this guy and found it was pretty interesting. And you had the idea to do a podcast on, on this topic because of its timeliness. And, and I think it's great. We, was, um, well, we, we received more than a few, a few emails about it. Um, right. One of the things I do is an analysis too. Oh, yeah, I, I have a few friends I reach out to before a podcast, and I say, "Hey, what you know? You have any general subject ideas you'd like to hear us talk about? You know, some guys that I, I, I trust their opinions a lot." And a few of them came back with this situation in China with the MMA fight. They're like, "Listen, I'm I would love to hear what you guys have to say about this." And um, and first of all, this whole phenomenon of an MMA fighter beating up a traditional martial artist, this isn't the first time it's happened, folks. Well, it's kind of, well, for us in the States, this is kind of like, this is like 20-year-old 20 20 headlines kind of coming back. It's like, this is like 1993 all over again. It's like, we've well, been there. There was, there was this one, it was a young guy and an, and an older man who, he the older man who was, um, he had posted some videos of him, like, with chi energy throwing his students all over. Oh yeah, that 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 key, that was a Japanese guy though. So oddly enough, that was that was in Japan, which generally tends to not be the kind of place that breeds these kind of martial hucksters the way you would generally tend to get them in China or even in America for that case. Um, right. Well, yeah, that I was mean, the, yeah. Even uh, what's his name, George Demile? Is it, mm -hmm. No, not George Demile. Who's the uh, no, Dillman? Was it? Oh, geez, I can't remember his name. The pressure point guy. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Dillman, I forget what his I first name is. I think his name is Dillman. Um, yes. Yeah, I said James DeMile. I apologize. That was not James DeMile. I think it's something Dillman. He's yes, a pressure yes. point dude, and he right. did. They did a story of him going to a um, an, an MMA gym, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu MMA gym, and to try his pressure point fighting out against right. resisting opponents. And one of them is a very young Stefan Bonner. If you follow uh, The <laughs> Ultimate Fighter or um, the UFC, you'll know the name Stefan Bonner. And one of, the, one of the kids training there is like a 20-year-old Stefan Bonner before he was in the, U, in the UFC. And you can see like this guy Dillman is like, you know, hitting him with these fucking 
pressure point whammies. thing. I think yeah. they're called cheat whammies is the official term. And you can see like these, the the guys in the gym are just kind of like shrugging their shoulders. No, I don't feel nothing. No, I don't feel nothing. Right. So this whole idea of um, a realistically trained martial arts system debunking a lot of the bullshit in, in, in traditional martial arts is not really new. This one here kind of, I think because it has, uh, you know, it's got, it's got video that it, 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 it became really popular really quick, but, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it is really nothing new. And, and I mean, obviously, you have somebody who is either a seasoned street fighter, a seasoned boxer, kickboxer, MMA fighter, jiu-jitsu guy, people who have, you know, have regular training with resisting opponents and either they fought in the ring or they fought on the street or whatever, going against somebody who, you know, most of their training is some kind of very traditional forms-based training or whatever. I mean, to to even have to wonder what the result is going to be at the end of that, Right. At this point in time, it's kind of ridiculous. I think what makes the story interesting, because again, like you said, we had that that Kiai guy in Japan who, right. who challenged the MMA guy. This has essentially already happened time and time again. But I think this is the first time it really happened in China openly. Right. And to a certain degree, um, China, in, in regards to martial arts, is still very insular. When you talk about mainland China, communist China, the martial arts scene there is is in certain aspects very strange because you have the state-run wushu, which is nothing more than just kind of gymnastics disguised as martial arts. But then you also have sanda, which is a legit kickboxing art, which is a, a little bit like Thai boxing minus the elbows but with throws, which, mm -hmm. which is totally legit martial art. And then MMA is totally new in China. So a lot of the growing pains, if you can call them that, of, of kind of – traditional martial arts merging with this new age of MMA and things like that, they're kind of starting to go through that now, whereas we already did that in the 90s after right. the UFC and the Gracies and everything. So I think the reason is because, you know, China is such a, such a huge audience. This video went viral really fast just sheer because of the subject matter and because it happened in China. It was just all over the place. It was pretty amazing. Um but, yeah, I, I, th I think it's really interesting. I mean, um, well, first, before we go, I'll, I'll, I'll explain the exact details about how it happened to our audience. But before we even get into that, when you first saw the video, all right, besides the obvious, okay, or even before the first punch was thrown, I mean, what did you think was going to happen? I mean, were you shocked at all or, or you, oh, you know I, I said, mean? Like, this is going to be a homicide. Yes. This isn't a fight. This is an assault. Right, you know, and like, and I've been on the, I've been on the receiving end of that. Right, I've had my eyes opened several times by people, and mm -hmm. and and it it'll wake you to fuck up. Right. I I and I'm not gonna lie and say that I've always been on the right side of that thing. I have not. I've 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 had people fucking wake me up, and um, I a couple of times. One, I can tell you once. Uh, I uh, I had a little bit of a wrestling background. And I was teaching JKD in Brooklyn in my house. And this guy came down. His, uh, his name is Joe Chin. He was, uh, oh God, he was 150 pounds. He was, that, that's, his, that's his heaviest weight. 150, 160 tops. The toughest motherfucker I ever met. One of the toughest guys I ever knew. And he came down. He was great. He was great at JKD. He was doing, he was, we became really good friends and everything. And we never really spoke about the wrestling. And then one time, in one class, someone asked, like, oh, what would you do if someone took you down kind of thing? 
So we start playing around, and I didn't even know that uh, Joe had done some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He had literally never mentioned it to me. And I mm-hmm. wrestled all through school. I was, in a res- I was a wrestler. So I said, come on, let's wrestle. Let's, let's, you know, let's, let's see what we got. We'll figure some shit out kind of thing. And he took me right down, which I wasn't happy about. <laughs> and he was going, he took, took me down. And once he got me in, in he mounted me. My wrestling instincts took over, and my shoulders were going to get "quote unquote" pinned. Right. So, like a schmuck, I flopped gave, over to my belly. Back. I gave him my back, <laughs> right. and I literally hear him whisper, "Are you a moron?" Like, <laughs> and he choked me out. And like, I was like, "Wow, you know, like I, that really like, that was like a, an eye opener for me." You know, like I was like, because I kind of like had the impression that I could handle myself because of my wrestling. Now, don't get me wrong. Wrestling is the shit, and it's some good stuff. But if it's going to be used in a fight, it's got to be modified. But that sure. that really opened up my, my eyes. And, 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 and it's happened a couple other times. Matt Thornton did it to me. And a new prospective student did it to me once. That uh, I, I don't know if I ever told a story on here, and I'm definitely going to tell it one day, to what I was doing with weaponry. I think you did tell the story, right, about... Yeah, guy was, all, all that stuff's cool, but like it wouldn't work because that's not how anyone attacks with a knife. Right, and he literally just grabbed me behind the back of my head and thrust the knife into my belly like 50 times. Right. And he says, that's how we do it on Rikers Island. Right. And I was like, wow, that would have fucking hurt. Sure. So, you know, so these eye-opening things need to be looked at in a positive manner. Yes, absolutely. And I'm, you know, I'm not that, so, so I'm not that, I'm sorry I, I went on and on and on after your question. I was not shocked at all. When you tell me that this guy is an MMA fighter and this is a Tai Chi guy, I knew I wasn't going to be witnessing a fight. I was going to be witnessing an assault. And that's right. what it was. And, and I mean, and it's not to say that people who practice Tai Chi or, or whatever don't know how to fight, especially if they may have practiced other stuff. But you could tell just by the way the guy was standing that he had no idea. I mean, he had his hands up like that. He was like doing something like this. You know, he right. was doing like some kind of crane looking thing or whatever. And he had no kind of... He had no relationship with his partner in terms of distance. He was just kind of standing there. And then uh, he, when his, when the MMA fighter came in and started punching, I mean, he didn't move to the side. He didn't move his head. He didn't move his body. He just, he, he couldn't do anything. It was like a deer in the headlight in the headlights. And, and, right. and so, yeah, <clears throat> well, let me give a little bit of background because obviously the video went viral. I think a lot of our listeners have probably seen it and, um, they might know a little bit about it, but, uh, you know, I, I looked into it a little bit and I just want to kind of make it clear because, you know, last week I had an opinion on it and I wasn't fully aware of everything in the story. And I guess this is sometimes a problem with things like podcasts and social media is that because something happens, we always think that maybe instinctively that we need to have an opinion on it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, I need to have an opinion on it. I need to say my opinion and I need to defend it. And, and sometimes we do that before we have all the facts. And then, and, you know, at least if we say something that's incorrect, we, we need to be able to, to correct course. So I, I wasn't totally correct in my assessment of what had happened on last week's podcast. So the background was something like this. So Xu uh, Xiaodong, the MMA fighter, he's apparently not a professional MMA fighter, but he trains in MMA. All right. Uh, but he's like, I don't think he even has an MMA record. But when you look at him, I mean, he's he's obviously well trained. He's got he's got the ears, and uh, you know, he's definitely somebody who who's put some time on the mat. 
Um, and apparently he hosts some kind of program in China. I don't know if it's a TV show or a martial arts show or a podcast, but he's got some kind of show. And he got into it with this particular Tai Chi guy. I think he's surnamed Lei um, because this guy um, was kind of saying it started that he, he said that he could essentially escape a rear naked choke easily and that this was some kind of real simple technique okay so he had, the tai chi guy had a video where one of his students put him in a kind of a quasi rear naked choke of course it's not a jujitsu guy putting him in a choke it's one of right. his tai chi students right okay and then he basically yeah and then he basically well, oh, but it's even one thing like if your tai chi student knows how to legitimately do a rear naked choke but this apparently was not the case it was you know some kind of half-assed attempt at a rear naked choke. And then the Tai Chi guy basically put his hand on the guy's elbow, which was under his chin, and just passed it over his head like he was taking his shirt off. You know right. what I mean? And, and it's like, um, I have been doing grappling and jujitsu in some form or another, not not as seriously as I've done Wing Chun, but since I was a teenager. And, and you know, I've, I've rolled on the mat with high-level black belts in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And one thing, it's like, yeah, if, if, if somebody gets you in a rear naked choke, I, I don't know on what planet you think you can just put your hand on their elbow and pass it along. Yeah, really. You know? so, so anyway, the MMA fighter, Shu, was a bit incensed by this video and saying, you know, that's a bunch of BS and how can you say that? And he basically started to call out this Tai Chi guy on that, right? And then there was another Tai Chi guy, although this seems somewhat unrelated, but this is just to give you some background into the kind of things that are on TV in China nowadays. And I've been to Hong Kong a number of times, and I've been to China, and I, I see the stuff that they play, not so much in Hong Kong, but definitely more in mainland China. It's very sensationalistic nonsense. So this Tai Chi master was on there, and he does the demonstration where he has the watermelon, and of course he you know hovers uh, his hand above the watermelon and then does something that looks kind of like a basic slap. And then after that, they cut the watermelon open and they see that the watermelon has been destroyed inside because his internal chi power was able to go into the watermelon and essentially destroy the guts. You know what I mean? Oh, and God, honestly, what a load of bullshit. Well, you know, the funny thing, there's even a similar story about Liang Chan doing this. Now, now he is, and, we, and we can also talk about this is a separate issue. And you have this always in Chinese martial arts. It's not the, hey, put on, put on some gloves, go ahead and throw some punches at me, and I'll show you my X-style kung fu, whatever, right? It's always um, bring out this brick. Okay, now watch me break it in this kind of way or, or, or hold out your arm here and do this or try to, you know, put your hand on my shoulder and try to push me. It's always what I call, it's the pull my finger demonstration. You know oh, what wait, I mean? Alex, Alex, you got to be able yes. to do it. You got to be able to do it. Do the boards Which one? don't hit back. <laughs> boards don't hit back. My right? news, because it's, it's, it's the exact concept, right? You can break yeah, boards exactly. and shit. And, and the thing is, well, they're definitely legitimate feats of martial arts that have nothing to do with fighting. Like somebody who's trained martial arts for any time period may be able to do certain things that normal people can't do, and that's totally fine. But that is not really a demonstration of someone's fighting skill. That is a demonstration of your strength or your ability to right. bend a metal rod or to jump over something or whatever the demonstration is. But to say that because a somebody who professes to teach martial arts does a demonstration that that somehow means something about fighting. You know what I mean? It's like, no, 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 these are, these are non-overlapping things here, you know? So basically there was some, and, and, and so the guy did the, the watermelon demonstration and then he did another demonstration, which a very famous Wing Chun guy 
from Europe who, who uh, also goes to Hong Kong a lot claims that he is now learning this, all right? And it's an old Tai Chi demonstration where you have a dove or a bird in your hands, okay? And the science of it is actually legit. It's just I don't think anybody can do it. So if, if, if a bird wants to take off, it basically kind of kind of crouches its, its legs, you know, and then it kind of hops up so it can, can fly, at least so far as I understand it, right? It has, it has to do some kind of movement by bending down before it can go up. So can you, if can you, were, you do that move again? I want to see that move again. That was... <laughs> useless for the people who listen to you. You know, Sean, this is an audio podcast, right? <laughs> I know, but I'm fucking dying laughing here watching you flap your fucking arms. <laughs> so anyway, um, apparently you hold a bird in your hand and, and, and you can feel the moment that it's trying to take off and you either dip your hand down or dip your hand up. So you basically upset the timing right. of the bird trying to take off. You can keep the bird from taking off in your hands. All right? right. So, I mean, that's What that has legit. to do with stopping someone punching you in the fucking what, face? What I that don't has know. to do with ca cauliflower ear guy, right. uh, you, know, you know, stopping him from grabbing your legs, picking you up, and then making you, you know, choking you with his legs. Right. That has nothing to do with that, right? So anyway... Apparently, the MMA guy saw that and he got really incensed because, you know, he's fed up with all these Tai Chi demonstrations. And he talked to the producer of the show, of that show in China, and that producer admitted that the demonstrations were fake. Now, those of us, like, I I'm hardcore into Chinese martial arts. I know all these demos are fake. I know how most of them are done. But basically, the producer admitted it to the, tai Chi to the MMA guy. So the MMA guy at this point, he's like, you know, this is making Chinese martial arts look like a laughing stock. Right. So he calls out the first Chinese, you know, Tai Chi guy or whatever who claims that he can get out of the rear naked choke. They have a lot of back and forth. The Tai Chi guy puts the MMA guy's phone number online. And, you know, there's all this ugly stuff back and forth. And they finally agree to fight in Chengdu. Chengdu is the capital of uh, Sichuan. Sengdou uh, for uh, our Cantonese speakers out there. Um, so they, they decide to to have this fight, and that is the fight that you you saw. So the Tai Chi guy's there, kind of there, flapping his arms like this, and the MMA guy just, you know, punches him and knocks him out, and, and that's it. And he's on the ground. There's a little bit of ground and pound, and, and the fight is over, and the Tai Chi guy admitted defeat, and, and, and that was that. And then, of course, all the sensationalistic headlines came out after that. And so um, that's kind of what I want to go into next. But essentially, that's the background of what happened. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, I mean, obviously, I'm the guy who's more from the traditional martial arts end of things, although you act, also practice Wing Chun. Um, it's probably preaching to the choir to, to, you know, talk to you about what you think of these kind of demonstrations, you know? Well, you know, when I was a kid, I used to be impressed by them. But, you know, right. but once I hit puberty, I realized they were bullshit. And right. it's... I. When you when I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to mock the demonstrations, just the people doing them, because um, like like Alex said, they are demonstrations of a certain skill. So no right. one's saying you don't have the skill. Is there a skill? I mean, I remember when I was a kid watching a, this gospel truth at a block party. Some like karate school showed up to do a demonstration, and this dude laid on a bed of nails, and then someone put cinder blocks on his chest, and another mm. dude like broke the cinder blocks apart with a hammer. Yes. And then the dude stood up, and he didn't have any holes in his back. Right. And I remember being like, like, 
like blown away. And I remember turning around to my Uncle Louie, who was standing there, who at the time was a New York City detective. And like, this is a true story. I remember saying to my Uncle Louie, like, like, oh my God, did you see that? And he says, yeah, but in a street fight, how do you get the guy to put the cinder blocks on you? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? And he goes, it's bullshit. It's a fucking trick. He's like, it has nothing to do with a fight. He's like, come here, if I shoot him, is he going to? Yeah. No, your, 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 your uncle was absolutely, it was your uncle, right? Yeah, it was my uncle. My uncle yeah. Absolutely correct, because, uh, and that's the thing, too, like, a lot of these kind of demonstrations were, um, now, do you know, at least in Hong Kong, do you know why a lot of those demonstrations even came to be to begin with? I would it was guess, because, if I had a, I'm sorry, can I take a guess here? Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you ask a question, I'm going to fucking answer, man. Let's see, let's see. Because they say that their techniques are so deadly that they can't actually do them. They have to use these demonstrations to... To have a well, safe way of demonstrating no. their, their technique and skill? And I'm wrong. Actually, actually, it's way... It's, it's, way, it's way dumber it's, than that? It's kind of way dumber than that because here's the thing. Uh, uh, at least in Hong Kong, a lot of Chinese Kung Fu Sifu, let's say back in the 50s, they couldn't really earn a living teaching martial arts because it mm -hmm. wasn't really a profession that, according to the Chinese, at least in Hong Kong, not talking about mainland China, right. teaching martial arts was not kind of like an above board kind of profession because it was considered something that only gangsters did. You, right. you didn't really have commercial schools. Most Kung Fu Sifus taught either from their home or a shared space or something like that. So a lot of Kung Fu masters, because they obviously their body was very, you know, uh, especially people coming from hard styles, they had like, you know, hard bodies and, and, right. and they could do things that were a little bit extraordinary that the average person couldn't do. They would go out into the into the street like Temple Street, and they would do these demonstrations for money. Right. So, so that so and and the demonstration that you talked about, uh, in fact, in Cantonese they have a saying. It's a uh, it's called uh, Mai Mo, which means to sell martial arts. And so you see Mai Mo. Mai Mo is like these Kung Fu Sifus, you know, <sighs> bending spears on their necks. And, and, right, and right, that particular right. demonstration that you explained, you know, the guy's uh, laying on a bed of nails, and he has a cinder block on him, and then. You know, an assistant with a sledgehammer comes and breaks the cinder block or whatever. That is obviously, if you are not a strong person, you can't do that. But the physics of that have nothing to do with chi power, have nothing to do with extraordinary abilities because anybody can lay on a bed of nails. Right. Anybody. Because yeah, you can do all the qigong breathing you want. It's not going to make your skin thicker. You know what you can't do, Sean? You can't nail. lay on one nail. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was, my uncle, I love it because my uncle said, my uncle speaking out loud so everybody can hear, yeah, if you really want to fucking impress me, take all the nails out and just leave one. Then lay on. <laughs> <laughs> but that's 100% true because, you know, when you when you have like a bed of, of tons of nails, you, you are essentially spreading out, um, you know, spreading out the load so you can do it, right? But yeah, I would right. love to see somebody lay on one nail. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Once and leave with a punctured lung, right? Oh so, my God. Uh, and, and of course, the, the, the breaking of the cinder block has more to do with the um, person wielding the sledgehammer because essentially what they're doing is they're using enough power to break the cinder block but not going beyond that. So right. they just practice right. the cinder blocks and, it's, and not a lot of that power is transferred into the... Um, you know, into the person who's on the bed of nails. I mean, that's kind of a bunch of hocus nonsense. But 
that is unfortunately the kind of things that impresses the living crap out of the Chinese. Now, it's not just Western audiences that get impressed. You do that stuff in Hong Kong or China now, nowadays still people go, wow, this is amazing. You know what I mean? And they really attribute some kind of supernatural ability to the people who do that. And so um, what was interesting, though, and I think where I have to kind of admit that I was maybe uh, a little bit too rash in my assessment with this guy, because I had heard that he said something about Bruce Lee, although, to be fair, I, I didn't hear him say that in any interview. So, uh, uh, you know, I don't even know if that's true. They interviewed the guy after the fight. They interviewed Xu. And um, they kind of asked him, you know, how this whole thing came about. And he explained that, you know, uh, the guy was talking crap about him. And he basically said it's 70% personal between him and that particular Tai Chi guy. So essentially it wasn't like he was there as kind of the the guy who's going to call out, you know, Chinese martial arts as being outdated and archaic. He actually just really did not like that particular guy. So, which makes a lot more sense. And honestly, that's usually how these kind of fights get set up. It's usually something personal. I think very few people, you know, maybe with the exception of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu when they came here and they were trying to show the effectiveness of that style, most of these kind of fights are usually set up on personal basis. I think there are very few people who are like, I am doing this for the honor of my style. Right. And, you know, because you put your own fit, you know, for the chance of your own teeth to get knocked out for something like, your style, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, I think right, right. You're a lot more willing to potentially get your own teeth knocked out if you have a personal thing against somebody, right? <clears throat> so um, that seemed to be what the case was here. Afterwards, he did a very interesting interview where he basically said that, um, you know, he believed that at some point Tai Chi was very practical and that he believes that perhaps maybe 1% of people who practice Tai Chi might really have the skill. But he's also saying that, that most people practice Tai Chi purely as a, a means to, uh, you know, for health and, and, and stuff like that. And that's fine. But obviously, at some point, there was some kind of martial application of it. And, and he believes that there may be some people out there who really can fight with Tai Chi. But he basically, and the reporter was very funny. So he was like, where would you assess this Tai Chi master, the guy that he beat up? Where would you assess his skill level? And the guys, the MMA fighter said, Oh, he's just like you. He's just like a normal person. He doesn't have the skill set of a fighter. He's just like a normal person. So he told the truth. And I thought that, that and I, yeah, and I thought that was really interesting because we all know that. Right. Um, sometimes we think that when somebody gets beat up, it just might mean because they're not as good of a fighter as the other person. But in this case, the guy wasn't any kind of fighter. Right. Even though that by, by dint of his profession or whatever, that he believed that he had some kind of skill or whatever that he didn't. Um, also interesting, when they asked him, they said, well, do you believe that any Chinese martial arts are practical? And he says, yes. He actually believes that um, he ne he mentioned Baji, which is a, um, a, a traditional style, Tongbei, and Wing Chun as being, he says he's, he's seen stuff and he goes, some of those guys can fight. What he believes is that the training methods are outdated, but he actually believes that there's legit martial arts fighting technique Mm. in like Wing Chun and Baji Tongbei and a few other ones too, which was very interesting. So he's not the kind of, um, you know, like guy who's trying to call out Chinese martial arts. He's actually trying to call out frauds within Chinese martial arts, which unfortunately- This may be a really good thing for Chinese martial arts. Yeah, unfortunately the frauds in Chinese martial arts are a much higher percentage in right. China than, um, than they are perhaps elsewhere. So, um, and I thought that was, and, and in my mind, at least on that term, I felt that he kind of vindicated himself a little bit in my eyes because 
then I was like, all right, well, he had some nice stuff to say about Chinese martial arts, which, and if he didn't, it wouldn't really matter anyway, because it doesn't change the truth of what happened. Right. Um, but I thought that that was still interesting that he essentially is not the traditional Kung Fu hater that he's kind of being made out in to be in the media. Um, but what he said was legit. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, I think it's 100% legitimate. I think, and I think it's really important for Chinese martial arts. In fact, I'm, I gotta stop saying Chinese. It's really important for martial arts as a whole to pressure test and fight against resistance, resisting opponents. Now, it doesn't mean that if a Wing Chun fighter beats a Choi Le Foot fighter, that Wing Chun's better than Choi Le Foot or any other bullshit like that. What I'm saying is, you have to take your if you have to take your system, you can you can believe in a traditional martial arts system, add modern modern training methodologies, and pressure test what you're doing. If you want to concern yourself with fighting, you have to do this. Yes. You know, it's funny. Um, on Facebook, I have a friend of mine on Facebook, and in fact, he he uh, he, he hosted once when Alex was out. Uh, Anthony Iglesias who rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Anthony, I love you, but you're a bit of a pain in the ass to people online, and you know that. And one of the things he rubs people the wrong way about is when they post these demonstration videos, mm -hmm. he, he always says, great, now, now show us you're doing it while you're sparring. Show us something like that while sparring. Right. To, 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 impress, you know, to, to impress upon us the fact that it actually works. Not so you can impress me as a person, Impress upon us the fact that what you're showing as something to use in a fight can actually fucking work against someone who's trying to hit you. Yes. And when we train in um, martial arts, if you're going to train in a martial art, like say Tai Chi, where most of the training and, and um, methodology is built around uh, improving your health and the um, the flexibility in your joints Forms. and things to that effect and forms. That's fine as long as you know what you're doing. You yes. know, I mean, if you turn around and say, I'm going to do Wing Chun and I'm going to do it because I love Wing Chun and I don't really care how well of good a martial art it is to me. Right. I don't, I'm not worried about that. I carry a gun. You know what I mean? Whatever. <laughs> then, 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 then who cares? You can live in your own little fantasy world. And, but if you're, if you're training in a martial art for the sake of self-defense... Well, then you need to do some shit to make sure that what you're doing will work in a self-defense situation. Right. Um, I can't speak for all of Jeet Kune Do, but I can tell you, I can tell you one of the uh, things that I love to do with new students when they start working with me, and, and uh, forgive me if I've mentioned this before, but it's important, at least it's important to me, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll try and tie it in with what we're speaking about, is... When, when guys start coming out and train with me, Alex, if you were brand new and they're just going to use you as an example, you know, your guy comes in to train with me and he's had, you know, very little training in martial arts or, you know, whatever. And I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll basically show them how to stand so that they won't fall over, how to step so that they won't fall over, and how to throw a jab. And then I'll sit down and say, okay, now throw the jab slowly to the air. And then I hold the focus mid up. And I move around a little bit with them, and I, and I have them hitting the focus mitt. And, by, and then I have them responding to my jab, basically just a little bit of head movement. Mm -hmm. and, a, and a little pat to the side. And, then count, and I work on that. I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm going to jab. I just want you to pat it and, and count a jab. Pop, 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 pop. And develop a little bit of a, an understanding of timing. 
literally less than one. They walk out being a little bit better as a fighter than the day that they than the than the, than the hour ago than when they walked in, because they're doing something that even in this short time will help develop a skill that can be used in fighting. And and that's important. Being able to move in relation to another person, like you had stated earlier in the podcast, in order to be able to move in relation to another person is a vital skill. These demonstrations that people do in, in martial arts, like the bed of nails or breaking of the boards and all that other fucking bullshit that doesn't mean anything, has absolutely nothing to do with martial arts. The fact if you can if you can punch through a wall, believe for you. But if you can't be in the right position at the right time and have the guy that you're fighting in the wrong position on off balance when you're doing that punch, it means diddly dick. So yeah. this with this then with this uh, can we call it a BMO, whatever? Can we you know I know I said it wrong. We'll get to that. But <laughs> <laughs> like we could call it a BMO. Um, Sean, what's a BMO? <laughs> I fucking hate you on so many levels. BMO. <laughs> BMO. Whatever the fuck you call it. I think this bullshit fight was so important for Chinese martial arts. I think it's awesome. I really do think it's awesome because you can have tradition in your martial arts. You can be a traditional person. That it doesn't mean you have to train like they did in, in 1700 without using any kind of modern uh, training methodologies. Right. Learn how to move. You know, learn what's working for you and what's not working for you. If, if you want to do something simply because you love it, do that. But, sure, it's, it's just important that they understand that that's what they're doing. That right, but you have to know that. Some traditional forms of martial arts are so, um, let's just say antiquated. Um, because, you know, at some point you could fight with that style because obviously martial arts were created in order to fight and perhaps that the transmission from generation to generation, the, like as I mentioned before on, on other um, podcast episodes, you know, part of the problem in Chinese martial arts is that the, um, the conversation is always about the form and the version and the hand here, no, it should be there, should be the, the conversations that when, when you... Um, go on Wing Chun, you know, wherever people are chatting about Wing Chun or commenting about Wing Chun, you know, or or Chinese martial arts for that matter. It's always like about like the who learned from whom and, and what version of the form is this and this guy added this part in the form and it shouldn't be here and that and then that, that. Whereas nobody's really talking about the function. So much so that like when Anthony, like you, you know, like you had mentioned, wants to say like, yeah, well, how do you use that in fighting? He doesn't realize that he's interjecting a conversation point that's actually not what's really in, in in kind of top of mind for the people who are even talking to begin with. They're discussing maybe martial arts from a historical perspective or or a certain form or a certain move or how to do this or whatever. And then and then he comes in kind of from left field with that kind of comment well, or whatever. Well, right? That's why he rubs people the wrong way. But but the fact of the matter is is. Most cases, he doesn't do that to people when they're demonstrating a form. He's not sitting, if a guy shows right. a form and says, okay, when I do my bunks out this way, it's when they show these demos, like the six guys around you, or the, you're right. fighting three guys, and it's like, bang, 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 you know, this like kung fu yes. commercial. Yes, yes. And right. Anthony's saying, well, can you do that against mm. one of your opponents? Right. Can you just handle <laughs> one of your opponents like that sparring? 
You know, you just took down six guys in some choreographed bullshit. Can you do that against one guy when it's not choreographed? You know? Sure. sure, sure. I just think, you know well, what? I think I, no, I mean, I, it's, it's not to say that he doesn't have a legit point. I'm just saying, like, right. sometimes, sometimes, you know, it's like different languages. You have somebody coming right. in speaking this is true. a different language. And, and I'm also, you know, for me, I believe in, in living in, in a very Wing Chun-like way, applying the principles of Wing Chun to my, my daily life. And one of those things that Wing Chun is based on is efficiency and and, and mm-hmm. not wasting time. And I always find that um, to engage in a conversation, when it, it even when you have the correct point. Right, right. right. Oh, no, I got you a totally. Bunch of, yeah. A bunch of fantasy dudes jumping around like this. Yeah, I'd like to see that, whatever. Even though you're right, you're actually the troll. Right, yeah. <laughs> because... <laughs> and, 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 and you're not going to win them to your side. You're essentially kind of um, making them band just, together more. Yeah, but you're, you're, they're, they're, you're banding them together against you and you're essentially just doing it for your own gratification. So it's, it's kind of like I, I stopped arguing with people online years ago. Right. And like occasionally when if I if somebody trolls me online or or says something bad about me, like I will like the comments. <laughs> right, right, right. So. You know, it's kind of like like that. And, and and speaking of backlash, so Xu uh, Xiaodong, our our you know embattled MMA Chinese MMA fighter, has experienced a massive amount of backlash in China, as you can imagine, because uh, Chinese martial arts, especially the like National Wushu Federation or whatever, is a state-run thing run by the Chinese government, and he basically and, and they're they very it, flexible, right? called his action barbaric and against the ethics of martial arts Uh-oh. the latest article that i read he's actually in hiding right now wow yeah and and there's even, there's even a ufc fighter named uh wang Wan. he's a chinese he just signed with the ufc and um he even condemned what this guy did to the tai chi guy so the thing is even like the legit UFC fighters from China, they're not all on Chu's side because he actually f- found um, this uh, Wang Guang, this new UFC fighter, said that what Chu did was uh, completely disrespectful. And um, and he also wanted everybody to know that Chu is not a professional fighter and does not hold a record right. and that he's basically doing this solely to represent himself. And that was the other thing. Like when I watched the interview, and he, Shu uh, uh, brought up a lot of int- very legit points, like the things that we've been talking about. But there was something about him where I still felt that he was kind of doing it for self-promotion. Now, that's right. just my opinion. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's true. I mean, the dude's in hiding now, so if he did it for self-promotion, right. it kind of blew up in his face. Um, but, uh, you know, Shu uh, claims he's fighting fraudulence. And most of the establishment, of course, they feel that he's doing something res- disrespectful. But um, I'm kind of ambivalent on it. I think, like you said, Chinese martial arts does need this wake-up call. But I don't think that the audience in China sees it that way. They just see it as an act of disrespect. Right. And, uh, and of course, I've even heard stories that the Tai Chi guy who lost his own Sifu said, oh, well, yeah, my student wasn't that good or he didn't complete his training, you know. <laughs> Which is typical in Chinese martial arts. If a student loses, he's the newest kung fu your, genius. Your 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 Chinese martial arts instructor will throw you under a bus. <laughs> or even if you're successful in the let's say, let's say you leave your instructor and you have a, run a successful school in New York City or whatever, your ex Chinese instructor will run, will run you over and throw you under the bus. So That's funny. It, it just unfortunately, seems to be a trait now. 
Xu said something really interesting because he said, and of course, and I don't want to uh, say anything controversial. I'm just telling, I'm the messenger here. I'm just saying what Xu said. He said that he feels that there's something somewhat underhanded in Chinese culture where they're always kind of trying to win by trickery or deception. He said even things like groin kicks and, and you know, jabs to the eyes. This is like they're always trying to find some way to cheat in a fight. Of course, and we can have our opinions on that right. or whatever. But he said that he had traveled to Japan and he saw how the Japanese practiced there and that they, you know, the, the entire idea of the Bushido code and being respectful also exists in the MMA gyms in Japan. Right. So that he said, un, he's like, unlike the Chinese fighters, he goes, the Japanese guys, they don't take a break to get a drink of water. And uh, they don't, you, you know, and they, they will do one technique for the entire session and just work it and work it until they get it perfect. And even if they had a great session, they will apologize to their coach at the end for not doing as well as they should. Right. And he said, and, the, the, and obviously Japan and China have a very, very um, uh, contentious history to say the least. Sure. So of course China has a lot of um, a, a, a lot of rightfully so baggage based on what, especially what happened in the Second World War and and of course that had happened before them as, at, at that time as well too. So that the Chinese always have this thing where they want to beat the Japanese, but in, it's it, according to Xu, he says they don't want to do it in a fair fight. They want to figure out some way to kind of trick them and, and beat them, and because there's a lot of things on Chinese TV where these Chinese martial art masters are beating Japanese masters on TV. And he says these guys are paid. And half the time, they're not even really Japanese guys. They're like Mongolians from the north of China. And he goes, he goes, and he finds it so dishonorable because he said they even had a match where a Chinese girl, some Sanda kickboxing champion, beat like an adult Japanese guy on Chinese TV. And of course, this always <laughs> happens in China. Right, right, he says, right. You of can see that the, I haven't seen the fight, but he says, you see the guy gives up and he's basically just a student. And he probably did it because he got a bunch of money so that now he can pay for his studies or whatever and he goes and that's the problem with china is that they are not willing to look into Sorry, the hard questions of, of uh, no problem they're not willing to look into the hard questions of you know having a fair fight and what does that mean to actually beat somebody when it's a level playing field right so um and, and that's a meant, that's a pretty yeah. that's a pretty bold shot across the bow to the Chinese yeah. culture. So that's, you can imagine even just for saying that yeah these are part of the reasons why he's hiding and and I guess one of the last things I want to say, which is something that he brought up, and we can even do an entire other podcast about this, um, about the so-called Shaolin Temple and what is being sold as the Shaolin Temple nowadays. Right. I got a lot of really interesting stuff to say about that. And also its relevance to Wing Chun, its relevance to martial arts, which is completely overstated um, in, in my very humble opinion on that. It's completely blown out of proportion. But many people may know the Thai fighter uh, Bua Kao. And I may be pronouncing his name wrong, but Buakau is essentially, he's kind of like the Anderson Silva of Thailand. You know, he's like the greatest of all time for Thai boxing. And he's amazing. And if you watch videos of Buakau training, I mean, he is a machine. He's one of the scariest people you'll ever see. Well, he had a match in China with this famous Shaolin monk named Yilong. Now, Yilong claims to be a Shaolin monk. But really, he's actually a Sanda fighter, which is a Chinese style of kickboxing, very respectable. But unfortunately, the Chinese government, they know that the, the monks can't fight because they're just doing wushu. They're just doing demonstrations. Right. So what they'll do when they need to have a monk that fights is they'll pay one of these Sanda fighters to shave their head and wear the monk robes and essentially represent right, right, um, right. 
Chinese martial arts as Shaolin, and there's a fame, and this Yi Long guy who's a great fighter, you know, purports to be a monk, but he's essentially he's essentially a shill for the Chinese government. And he had a fight with Buakao, which is a very interesting fight, very exciting fight, but it happened in China. And it was run by his own promotion company. And Buakao lost. All right, by decision. All right. Mm-hmm. And this was completely paid for. I mean, it's not to say any it's not to say Buakao threw the fight. Um, he might have knocked out Yi Long and still have lost the fight. Who knows? Right, right, right. But he definitely was probably paid much more handsomely than for the fights he gets in Thailand for it. And so, um, you know, this is unfortunately the state of Chinese martial arts is that even when they do legitimately win in fighting contests, they do it in such a way where the odds are totally stacked in their favor. It's not a Shaolin monk or a Kung Fu guy. It's a kickboxer that they shave his head. Right, you know what I right, mean? And right. this sure, is unfortunately the state of Chinese martial arts. Right in China right now, so um, you know, that's kind of uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's uh, that's it, that's uh, it's some story, and it's really like it's captured the uh, imagination of martial artists all over. I I'm mean, I, to see what happens in the next few weeks. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I hate to see something bad happen to this guy. You know what I mean? It's right, right, right. I mean, although he may definitely two, be self-promoting men, or whatever. Yeah. Two, but so what? You know what yes. I mean? Like, yes. Self-promoting as if that's a bad thing. You know the what message I mean? like, is totally true. Yeah, but, everybody, but everybody, actually, and no one that's owned. You know what, folks? If you own a website or have a Facebook like page, <clears> or if you like, how dare you? How dare you? Like what are you I'm saying. You know, you can't fucking shit on someone for doing self-promotion. You're doing the same freaking thing. He's just getting better at it because he has more likes than you now, you know? <laughs> it's just, it is what it is, you know? I, I think this is a, it, it's, it's a really, really interesting story. And Yeah, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. I mean, he definitely pissed off some people in the high levels of Chinese government. So well, if, that, this did, that, if this guy disappears off the face of the planet, uh, I would not be surprised. That would so, be horrible. For the last part of our podcast, we actually have a, uh, a, I guess it's a bit of a, it's kind of a bit, it was suggested based on a conversation I guess you had with one of your buddies, a friend of the podcast. Yep. Yeah, I was uh, was chatting with a friend of mine, um, and he had mentioned that uh, he would love to see Alex do a book on Cantonese for Wing Chun. And I was like, wow, that's a really cool idea. For all eight people out there who would buy it, <laughs> you think eight people would buy it? There's eight. There's that many lonely fucking people out there. Yeah. I, I could convince eight of my students to buy that book, but this that's probably true. about it. <laughs> but I, what I think is cool is it would be fun if Alex, because he does speak Chinese so well, and try and teach me Cantonese on the podcast, and in doing so, teach you. But listen. Yeah. Some, some so I think that, and which I think is a great idea because uh, obviously a lot of our podcast listeners, because we are Wing Chun and Jeet Kune Do specialists, you know, it's Cantonese is kind of the the main language, and I think that um, <coughs> we could do uh, we could do some of the you know the mottos, the Kun Kut, the the famous sayings of Wing Chun. Um, we could, but also do some slang. Cantonese is just rife with some just amazing slang, which I would love to teach you, and of course. If uh, people, um, you know, out there have any things that they want to learn, they can write in and, and ask. And, and of course, I'm I'm not the best at Cantonese. I mean, I can hold a basic conversation down, but, you know, my pronunciation's okay. And if it's something I don't know, 
I can ask my wife, I can figure it out, and I can teach you guys the correct, correct pronunciation by the time the episode rolls around. So, so today, since, since yeah. I can barely speak English, right? Alex, Alex is gonna, you know, teaching me, uh-huh. it should be interesting. Next week, I'll teach you how to say BMO correctly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there's a famous, a famous Wing Chun uh, saying, or um, usually in the Lung Ting system, we just call them mottos. Um, or or maxims, but right. <clears throat> in Chinese are known as kun kut, um, which is uh, others walk the bow, uh, but I walk the string. Which is basically the saying that you know other martial arts styles may uh, advocate the use of round lines and in and, and curved punches, but in Wing Chun we use the straight line punch. So basically, while others walk the curve, we walk the string, um, and that uh, in in Cantonese is so. I'll, I'll say it one time for you, and then and then I'll repeat it so you can learn the individual bits. Okay. Oh fuck! Uh, so, gonna suck. Yen hang gong, ngao hang yin. All right. So I'll start the when first, you're ready. The, <laughs> the first word, yen. 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 Yeah, yen. And it has to be like a low falling tone. Yen. Yen means people. All right. Yen. Yeah. Now, slightly longer vowel sound. Hang. H a like you're saying h a a n g. Hang. Hang. Yeah, so it's yan hang. Yan hang. Yan hang. Yan hang. Yan hang. hang. So that literally means people walk, all right? Yan hang, right? Yang and then gong, gong means the bow, all right? Like G U N G. Almost same gong. pronunciation as kung fu, actually. Right. Same, same pronunciation, but not the same word. So it's uh, yan hang. Gong. Yan hang. Gong. Close enough. <laughs> now comes a special one. Ngaw. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> Ngaw. Ngaw. So that's N-G-O-H. Ngaw. Ngaw. So that N-G sound for people who don't know, that's, it's kind of in the, in, in the, not really in the back of your throat, it's almost in your nose. Ngaw. Ngaw. Ngaw means me or I. All right? Hang. Same hang like before to walk. Hang. And then string is yin. Yin. So it's yan hang gong. Yan hang gong. Ngo hang yin. No hang yin. <laughs> awesome. Perfect. So others walk the bow, I walk the string. So there you go. We have made a proper canty. So now you can say yamo gao cho, which is like, what the hell? All right. I taught you how to say that. Yeah, so you can basically start shit with somebody in Cantonese, and you can tell them, I walk, others walk on bows, but I walk on a string. So you can basically say two completely non-sequiturs to somebody in Chinese. All right? Which is basically how I speak English anyway, so. Right. And you also mentioned that you have an IT guy at your work that uh, is a Cantonese speaker, and you've used that yamo gao cho. Oh, I love it. It, it, it. it just pisses them off every time. So next and- time he goes in there to fix a computer or something like that, you should tell him, fighty la, fighty la, fi f a a i fi fi d like the letter d but you say it short and loud d d perfect and then la like l a la la but of course when you're trying to get him to hurry up because people always they always ask me they when they go to Chinatown. When they hear people speaking Cantonese, they always hear those sounds like la, oh, wo at the end of the sentences. And they always go, what the hell is that? And it's basically like spoken 
punctuation. So if you can imagine an exclamation point, but in spoken form, that's kind of like la. You're kind of it's kind of like you're putting ten exclamation points at the end of that <laughs> sentence. So so if you say fighty la, it's kind of like hurry up. You know what I mean? You're kind of this person like you know hurry the hell up. So anytime you want to la. Say, la, fighty la. So that's very, very typical kind of that's awesome. Cantonese there. So cool. Hey, man, I had a lot of fun today. I want to remind all of our listeners out there to like us on Facebook. If you haven't done so already, Dudes of Kung Fu on Facebook, like us. Follow us on Twitter, Dudes of Kung Fu on Twitter. And as always, send in messages via the ideas. Or now, if you have things you want me to teach Sean in Cantonese at the end of the podcast, go ahead and send those things in. And if you're on Android or iTunes, if you're on that podcast app, please write a review in the podcast app for our podcast. And that definitely helps uh, get the word out there. Like the podcast, repost it, and uh, pimp us out a bit. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Um, oh, that's all for me, Sean. Yeah. For, and, uh, you dumb motherfuckers, by the time this podcast comes out, Mother's Day is going to be here. So, like, you know, buy a box of chocolate so you can... We still hold hands with your wife by the next day. <laughs> All right, cool. And with that, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Bye-bye.